0: Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. All right, Greg and I have a grab bag of uh, various things to discuss or throw around today. The first of which is um, an interesting news article that uh, Dan Daly pasted, posted this website on facebook and uh i think it's a a pg or a g rated version of christian nightmares (laughs) (laughs) so this this article caught my eye it's titled worship leader caught an infinite loop between bridge and chorus the article goes on to say, Santa Ana, California, according to eyewitnesses at Tides Church, worship leader Wes Kimball was tragically caught in an infinite loop between the bridge and chorus of Chris Tomlin's hit worship song, How Great Is Our God. Quote, it's a real tragedy. It's scary, honestly. Keyboardist Jessica Randall told reporters as she choked back tears after the worship service on Sunday. This is our third leader who's been sucked into PCBV, the perpetual chorus bridge vortex, in the past year. Reports coming out of the church this week indicate that Kimball began building the music up out of his second a cappella bridge into a final, powerful chorus as normal. But that's when things went south, resulting in the endless chorus-bridge-chorus progression. He just kept going, backup vocalist Kendra Anderson recalled. By the time he faded out from what he thought was going to be the tenth and last chorus, only to crescendo back into the name-above-all-names lyric, we knew something was very wrong. And then the article goes on. Anyway, you and I were talking about... This is obviously... It's like the Onion version of the news for Christianity. or Anyway, so we were uh, talking about this, among other things, and where did you want to go with this? I thought I had a stronger lead-in than that, but I'm realizing I don't.
1: <sighs> well, I mean... <sighs> Don't worry <laughs> the the pain points are easy to press on this one <laughs> right it's it's one of those like, just a little little press here and a little press ah oh, stop
0: <laughs> should we sing a little like would that kind of like <laughs>
1: no the pain's evident enough
0: would that change your feelings on this?
1: Oh uh, no, no, it'll only intensify them.
0: <laughs> just sing with me, okay, anyway, back to you
1: all right, well, you know. <sighs> Well, hold on. Let's let's go back to that <laughs> other song you put in here because I, I, I think that one was. Oh, I was. <laughs> that that's pretty the Ilo Bay song. You want to oh, read yes. that
0: one off? Um, you know, sadly, I've lost my link to that.
1: Okay, then I'll I'll read it. title. Yeah, of just the song. read. Yeah, read the whole song
0: because this is a okay. song that's uh So I'm,
1: it's a chorus, right? Oh, it's a pretty. It's a
0: praise song. I don't. I remember. I remember exactly where I was sitting in a particular church in Southern California in high school with the lights dimmed and everyone singing very fervently and feeling like I was the only one in the room with my lips not moving. Cause I was just like, I'm not committing
1: to this. Oh, man! So read it to us. Title of the song. I'll obey by unlisted. I don't know who unlisted is, but this person should have their rights to write lyrics revoked. I'll obey and serve you. I'll obey to show I love you. I'll obey my life is in your hands, for it's the way to prove my love. When feelings go away, if it costs me everything, I'll obey. One more time?
0: No, I think that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the kicker is that last line. If it costs me everything, I'll obey. Yeah. And I remember standing there, standing slash sitting around there thinking... Really? Like everyone in here that's singing this so fervently, like they're really going to do this. I'm not buying it.
1: No. Well, I mean, everything, if it costs me everything, if it costs me the truth, if it costs me being humane and loving, you know, if these things are put into question, this is some of the problems, some of the huge problems I have with these songs, I, 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 I My sense, not being a terribly musical person, is that the people who create the music are far more skilled than I at this uh, with the music. But just because you're good with music and you can make words rhyme doesn't mean you should be writing songs that the church should be singing or Christians should be singing. I mean, when you're singing something, I agree with you. You're endorsing it. You're saying, yes, this is how I think. Not just, yes, it feels good to sing a song that sounds like this. And you could put any lyrics in here that weren't talking about, uh, I don't know, something clearly contrary to a Christian message, you know, endorsing pornography and I don't know, whatever, what, whatever, selling drugs to, to children, well, whatever. You know, the con- lyrical content matters a lot. But I think there's also
0: the... the the notion of fake it till you make it. So even if you're not feeling that way, if you like sing the songs and get like really emotionally involved in the words, that will be the
1: driver to make you want to do that. Well, maybe, but, but there's also, I think some of this confusion between when people say the spirit, when Christians say, pardon me, when Christians say things about the spirit, the Holy spirit, there's a lot of confusion about what that is. So if I'm in a church and I'm feeling happy, or if I'm in a church and I'm down and suddenly some music comes on and I start feeling uh much better, I start feeling joyful, I, I start instead of reflecting on my problems and my difficulties. I- is that the Holy Spirit at work? Well, maybe, but maybe not. You know, and so if every sort of emotion if 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 Holy Spirit equals emotionalism, then I think we have a problem, right? Because I'm quite certain that part of what the Holy Spirit does is make me feel absolutely crappy about myself. Because lo and behold, I've just been an asshole, Or maybe I've been an asshole and acting like that for a long time. And I haven't been able to see that. So the role of the Holy Spirit, if we associate it simply with feeling good or feeling happy or going from happy to sad, some sort of upward, if we can talk about, you know, the vertical progression of emotions from something down or blue or sad or whatever, apathetic to something engaged, happy, uh, joyful, I, I think that's a huge problem. It might well be the spirit in certain cases. But just to kind of link it to emotions and particularly to some rise towards higher, lighter, fuller, more joyful emotions, I think is very misguided. So I, I, yeah, I think that's putting us in a place we should be really leery about as Christians, because I think the examples I read in the biblical text of the Holy Spirit acting have an awful lot to do with convicting people, helping people to see things more truly, which can often mean, hey, you know what? You've been making mistakes. You've been acting in ways you shouldn't have. You've been engaged in some sort of an ideological understanding that has made your own you impervious and un unperceiving of your own errors sorry was that me on a bandwagon I guess I think so <sighs> I, I just find this so troubling so incredibly troubling um, I'll obey and serve you I'll obey to show I love you well I think obedience is one way of showing you love God actually loving God actually having that's a good way
0: <laughs> yeah showing God you love God by loving God <laughs> Yeah, and I think this showing is someone so, you
1: love them by actually loving them. <laughs> yeah, you know, or what are you obeying? Well, I'm obeying what my minister told me. Well, you might want to think about that. Is that right or not? What do you and what you know? Or I'm obeying about I'm obeying what what how I interpret these particular biblical texts. What do they what they mean and and then how I apply them. Now,
0: oh, that well, takes me in a totally different direction with the book I just finished. Um, Go for it. Fle- it's called Fleeing Fundamentalism A Minister's okay. Wife Examines Faith by Carlene Cross. And then oh, we talked about this. Yeah. It's a really interesting book in the sense that, like, she really hammers away on this idea of things taken out of the Bible or verses taken. It- in some ways, it was very refreshing. It was like, oh my goodness, this is this is like everything you and I have been talking about in terms of you know the Bible as a cookbook or Bible roulette or whatever you want to call it. Which is there's this one verse, and it means this, and everyone must apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting book. I I would recommend. I mean, it's very well written. Some listeners may not like where she ends up at the end, but. I think she does an extremely good job of really crystallizing and, and kind of explaining this notion of how it's, how it's done. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess maybe then, I wonder if your comment and kind of putting together some of the comments we've made so far, I find this phenomena of uh, chorus songs that seem to be, you know, it's just a whole bunch of catchphrases. Oftentimes, it's very there's very little sort of link that I see between a lot of Christian choruses and the kind of larger narrative that's going on in the Bible. You know, it's just uh, God is holy, and you throw another couple things about God in there, and you throw a couple things about how you feel in there, and that that's the recipe for a good uh, Christian chorus. But I wonder to what extent these songs sort of they epitomize and build off of a lot of the negative practices that we've been kind of pushing back against during during a lot of this podcast a lot of our podcast time mm. you know because you you have to you have to read the Bible in a certain sort of way, and you have to have you have to think that words I think you have to read the Bible in a in a kind of questionable sort of way, and then you have to think that words don't really matter that much you know I can say what I'm feeling about God, and that's just cool. I can make up a song about it if it rhymes or sounds good or the music's good or people will sing it. That's the only indicator. And I think this just seems to be so antithetical to some of my thinking about, yeah, words do matter. How we read the Bible and getting as much uh, good help and assistance in understanding it correctly does matter. And then applying it correctly and thinking about how it might play out now, that's really important. Well, and that was one of Cross's, the author
0: of this book— fleeing fundamentalism that was one of her biggest critiques was the the way that christians would take certain verses and say <laughs> okay this needs to be applied at face value full stop 100 percent. Right. but then the same people that are deciding which verses are super important to apply to our lives also are like yeah but but that verse over there about head coverings and that, oh, yeah, that's that was historical. That doesn't apply to today. So it's kind of this kind of having it both ways. It's like without really going real deep, deciding which ones apply to today, which ones need to be applied immediately in our lives, and then, oh, yeah, which ones really aren't relevant. Mm-hmm. But there being no, like, I don't know, maybe this comes back to our earlier conversation around... Um, Oh, what was that called? It was around reasonableness and um, universal reason. In other mm. words, it's just kind of like, well, if it appears reasonable, then then of of course, yeah, that's that makes sense that we would apply this one and not that one.
1: You mean if it appears reasonable to the people who are yeah, in to charge?
0: The, well, to, yes, to the people espousing that this <laughs> is what everyone
1: needs to do. Yeah. Well, why don't we dig into some of these lyrics here and we can both kind of figure out what we like and don't like. You had that song playing in the background there. What did you have playing in the background?
0: It was the from the article in the Babylon Bee. Right. So uh, got... How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. I don't know that I have the... I could look up the words.
1: You see, I guess... Here's something I'll, I'll throw out there. I'm... I think things like this I'll song. song. Um, first of all, I, I think sometimes, I guess, when things are simple, it can be beneficial. But, I mean, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. But, yeah, so this has got like six lines in it. And it seems kind of simplistic and it seems kind of, I mean, it doesn't rhyme and whatever. Whereas the How Great Is Our God seems like a classic, right? It seems like a, you know, one of those great praise choruses. It's not a hymn. But I just threw you the lyrics. Oh, did you really? Okay, let me take a look
0: here. So this is interesting. So Yeah, and this is I don't know, this is more of the same thing for me, which is and what's funny is, you know, I found this song on YouTube and been playing it over and over to to uh, annoy you. And now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> And but what's interesting is when you when you Serve read you right <laughs> when you read this though, I don't know, maybe I'm just the wrong audience for this. it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't all make sense to me no, it doesn't this, so, this is what
1: drives me nuts about some of this stuff
0: I mean some of it does, but How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God. Age to age he stands and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, father, spirit, son, lion and the lamb, lion and the lamb. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great is our God. So the point is how great is our God? I get it. I think. But now what? So, well, there are a
1: few more verses there. There's the it starts off with the splendor of a king clothed in majesty. Let all the world rejoice, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. And then after that last one, use yeah, I guess the, the, the last one repeats. There's a couple repeated there name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing, How great is our God! And, and I then guess the I, last
0: part is supposed to repeat three times. Yeah, but maybe that's where this person got stuck in the infinite loop. I've, I've been to some of those services.
1: Well, I, I guess this is what really gets me here that there are a lot of sound bites in here, the lion and the lamb. So we're talking about things, we're kind of linking into little tiny notions, right? I mean, we're linking through small phrases, I should say, into larger notions so that we're trying to evoke some understanding or maybe some, some. recall we're helping people recall who God is. But None of this really goes together in any way that for me makes any sense. You know, God is great. The splendor of a king clothed in majesty. I'm not sure what that means. If you're talking about, I look at the mountains, I look at the created order, and I feel a sense of, its, of wonder, and therefore I have this sense of God being, you know, the, as the creator, majestic or what have you, because God created these wonderful things. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide and tremble at his voice and trembles at his voice. I, I you know, I, I just get the sense of somebody sitting at their desk or riding a bus, and they have had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or whatever, and then some good things happen, and they're a Christian, and they're thankful to God, and they kind of put this down, and it's a bunch of jumbled thoughts in small sound bites. Lion and the Lamb, Time is in His Hands, Wraps Himself in Light, Splendor of a King, Name Above All Names. What are you telling me? You know, if this was a song that was sung in your church, that God is the great. lyrics
0: that's what it tells you, that God is great.
1: But it doesn't even tell me that. It's some guy's way of communicating how he's feeling about God by using small pieces of of text that link into other notions. I mean the line Well, what's and the wrong lamb. with that. How this is this
0: if this is his expression?
1: I think I then sing it for yourself, but you know what, if other people are coming to your church and your community and they are not Christian and they're trying to understand, this is leading them into a maze of confusion and and potentially irrelevance. Where there's so much there. You know, if there wasn't a lot there to work with and you had to stitch stuff together, like I don't know, somebody's trying to use duct tape to create a sail for a ship, because that's all they've got and little pieces of nothing. You know then great. But there's there's reams and reams and reams of material. Focus on something, create something that will both like I I guess this isn't informing anyone to any degree about who God is no, it's but simply th- trying to evoke emotions it seems to me
0: that's exactly what I was going to say because as but it's I think it's evoking positive hopeful like consoling notions so God wraps himself in light you know and darkness tries to hide so darkness is afraid of the light um, <laughs> and trembles at his voice so people you know other things are afraid of God and so sing with me. How great is our God? Like, in other <laughs> so words, sing with me. <laughs> yeah, that part. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. I guess I see something like this as just kind of this reflective everything's going to be okay because our God is so great. So sing with me. In other words, but it's this repetitive, like, let's just remind ourselves how good it is. Let's remind ourselves how good it is, which again, for me, doesn't do anything. I sing the song and I might get caught up in the, the melody and the electric guitar and, you know, it's very, it's very well crafted and it's catchy. It's stuck in my head now. I'll probably sing it the rest of the day. But it, 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 it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't, in other words, it doesn't bring me any closer to understanding who God is.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it actually gets in the way, you know, because I think this whole, uh, some of these, in other words, if they had this song, and then they had another song that could kind of match up against it, right? So when you eat a meal, your meal is not composed solely, typically, of salty things, of salty things that are have all the same texture. You have a variety of textures. You have a variety of flavors, sweet, sour, salty, bitter. You have all these things going together. And this, when you listen to a symphony, you're not listening to just one instrument playing the same beat all the time. You're listening to a variety of instruments taking a number of different roles depending upon what seems to be best suited for their particular tones and uh pitches and uh uh, rates of of play etc rhythms and i just i don't understand why it is when we're singing songs we have first of all a song that seems to be mostly focused on emotion but but then we'll have another one and another one and another one and another one so if I'm in there to learn anything, if I'm in there not fully understanding, and and uh, uh, even for, for those who 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 would claim to understand, that when I think of the Godhead three and one Father Spirit Son, that's that's just a rhyme, like that's telling me nothing about the Trinity. The Trinity is really complex. God is three and one, okay. But are you is this a creedal song? Are you trying to describe what Christianity is about? Are you trying to take the Apostles' Creed or a part of it or any creed and make it in kind of just open it up a little bit, a little portion of it in a musical presentation? Oh, that's cool. That, that would be informing. But this doesn't do any of that, right? Um,
0: yeah, and I think that – well, that my other thought too is, is this is information. These are different pieces of information about God. But for me personally, I have all that information and it still doesn't do anything for me.
1: Well, I don't think it's giving you any substance. The splendor of a king clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice. You know What does that mean exactly? What, I think what that's telling me is God is all powerful. God will do all these good things and even if I believe that as a Christian, I certainly don't experience that in the here and now. And I think I've got good theological reasons for not experiencing that. You know, when we talk about the kingdom of God being already here and also not yet fully here.
0: But I think a lot of people would and they would that's why they would relate to this
1: song. But I think they're lying. Whoa, why? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I mean, I'd love to ask this to all these people who continually throw these songs up that say God is always with me. God does everything for me. God's there just when I need Him. Our God really? is an awesome God. Well, I mean, just that one phrase isn't enough. But I think the content, the 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 the, the, the direction of meaning of the song that this song has is, yeah, God bails me out. God helps me out. God's there for me. God's splendorous. God is majestic. Okay, well, how do you understand that? What does that mean? Well, that means when I look at the mountains or I see a sunrise, I feel really good. Okay, well, this guy over here is Buddhist and he feels really good too. So what's the difference? You just got a totally different context than he does? This is just a sociological reality that you were born in North America and he was born in Asia? You know, give me a little bit here. Because if you're looking to do something, I think this is what really pisses me off about these songs, is that if we are actually looking through the things that we do as Christians to promote a way of being in the world that is truly better, richer, more true, more able to to respond to our needs as human beings, to be loved, to be embraced, that I would think that our music, that everything we should do should be focusing in some way or other on, on reflecting that. And this this type of thing – and this is not a bad – like I agree with you. It's a catchy song. It's well-written in the, to the extent of what it is. Um, it's got good music and it certainly falls flat in terms of the criteria for me that I just laid out. In fact, it just – it muddies the waters. It confuses things. It brings in these little pastiche notions of the Trinity and the lion and the lamb and God's a king and majestic and uh, he's light and darkness is is afraid. And uh, it's the name above all names, and I just just think it... So what would be a good worship song? (laughs) I think a good worship song... Not to make
0: this constructive or
1: anything. (laughs) No, we wouldn't want to go there, would we?
0: No, but seriously, to turn this in the other direction. So we spend some time saying, okay, this doesn't work, or it could be better. What's better?
1: I think a good worship song would make me think as well as make me feel that a good worship song would reflect a number of different ways of being in the world as being in relationship with God. So yeah, there are times when I experience as one in relationship with God that for whatever reason, right, that I don't have to, I don't have to lay it all out in a song. Like it's a uh, an opus or a um a, 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 you know, uh, an academic paper, but for whatever reason, I feel like God has appeared, God has been active in my life to good ends. And I want to say something very positive. I want to express my sense of gratitude. I want to express my sense of thankful surprise, my sense of uh, peace as a result. That's cool. But put it down there so we can understand it. Right? and But there are also times when I am lamenting. I am lamenting God's absence. How many songs do you hear sung at a church on a regular basis that have to do with lament, that have to do with waiting, that have to do with unfulfilled expectations? This is part of what it is to be a human being as a Christian and as a non-Christian. I do believe there are some differences there. I hope that there are some some distinct differences. But I think in terms of the major themes of being human— They all apply like we're in the same boat in many, many, many ways. And if that type of awareness is mirrored in the music and particularly the lyrical content of that music, a lot of people who walk into churches might stay a little longer. A lot of people who are not – who are just barely there might have the courage to say, okay, well, you know what? This song at least is saying, man, I don't get this. I don't get this god. I don't understand how this works. In fact, I'm a little pissed off or I I'm I'm feeling defeated. I'm feeling isolated. I'm feeling alone.
0: No, you're onto something. Cuz that's and, No, that's cuz that's why I felt alienated by all this kind of stuff. Like it's because it's all happy and positive and God is, you know, our our God is an awesome God. You know, there's another really catchy old one. Um I don't know what the current ones of today are, but you know yes because <laughs> it's like, yeah because yeah, i it's like i can't relate to anything i'm singing here so i'm not gonna sing exactly and then i probably a story i've repeated a number of times and i get the elbow and the ribs it's like you know sit up and participate in this in what we're doing here it's like no i'm not sorry
1: no no you can't that's force
0: just... someone to well i guess that context was there was one of these like smaller worship settings and i was just like oh this is so horrible i'm just gonna like lay back and take a nap and (laughs) and then it was like no no no! sit up and be part of the circle here and that just still makes me angry
1: (laughs) no i I think that's yeah i mean what we do as christians is should always be concerned with this notion i think that paul had of being all things to all people of being able to be a full human being in the presence, first of all, of oneself. I can be self-aware and honest with myself. Then in the, in the presence, maybe let's say if you're a Christian of other Christians, and then in the presence of those who might find your views or what they think your views are uh, silly, uh, unpractical, uh, reprehensible, who knows, right? There's a whole scale of possible responses. And I get why Christians might be a little leery to be open with their hesitations and with their doubts and with their anxieties and with their whatever. I mean, we were sort of also taught we shouldn't have any of these things as Christians. We should cast all our worries on God. Well, that's not what life is like. And casting all my worries on God is in a particular context, right? It may be the context of can God, is God sufficient? For my needs in the long run. I mean, if you're sitting there as a Christian and you're not sure about that, then I think that's something you need to do a little bit of research on to the point that you can ultimately, quote, cast those concerns on God. I do think that's true. But if you mean, I don't know if I'm going to pay next week's rent, should you cast all your concerns on God and just walk on and not worry about it? I think you should get off your horse and get on your horse and figure out what you can do. Right, God's not in the business of paying everybody's rent for them, depending upon what's going on, right? And sometimes things happen that are, oh, look, I received $200 in in the mail for this and this sort of situation um, just when my rent was due. And it was, oh, lo and behold, $200 or something like that, right? And I think those things happen, although I'd want to have a little more information. And most times when I get more information from folks – it doesn't quite pan out to be uh, as as dramatic as it's presented, but I think this. Uh, you, you raise another interesting point too about, um, you know, what did you say? If I'm not if I'm not engaged with this, or I guess it, it got me back to this point about uh, you can't make me feel these things, right?
0: Yeah, and I don't know that they were. This again. This is high school. This is years ago, but mm-hmm. it's still. Yeah, it's still it still irks me. It's still, mm. and I think it was more of you know this person feeling like I wasn't participating or I, yeah, I wasn't engaged and I wasn't engaged. Um, but I wasn't being cons- disruptive. But I guess that in hindsight, I look at this too. and I was like, I wasn't being disruptive, so why couldn't you have just left me alone?
1: Yeah. But also, what is that, what exactly is that song seeking to engage? It's not seeking to engage you critically. It's not seeking to make you think. It's not seeking to take you as a thinking person and say, how does this pan out, pan out with what you think about how the real world works, right? It's seeking to seemingly engage some sort of semi-blind obedience. Do what you're told because it's what you're supposed to do. Do what you're told because you don't want to go to hell.
0: And if it costs me everything, I'll I'll pay anyway.
1: Yeah, because the the real everything is going to hell. So you can either uh, go to hell, or you could perhaps give up everything, including your, um, you know, your 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 intellectual um, integrity, your um, ethical integrity. I mean, those things are huge. That's what human life is built on. So. No, but, uh, and that you mentioned
0: held. I mean, this the same book that I mentioned, fleeing fundamentalism. I'm, we might want to go back to this book again. There's some. So her reason for coming to faith was the whole scary notion of the end times, and so I think uh-huh. this is kind of a generation before ours where there was a lot of focus on eschatology and you know wanting to avoid. Um, Oh, I don't remember the, the was it the tribulation, you know, whether we're going to avoid the tribulation or not, and if you have to live through right. the tribulation, and so wouldn't you want to avoid the tribulation by being in heaven, and so when presented with all these quote, facts about what the end of times, in you know, the end times are going to be like as described in Revelation, because, you know, one or it's two such an people- It's book to read. Yeah, one or two, I guess in this case, Hal Lindsey had, <laughs> you know, had pieced it all together, and so, she's like, "Well, absolutely, I want this over anything else." And then, you know, years later, when she's in this fairly legalistic church culture, and her husband does a bunch of not so great things, she's like, "Forget it, I'm out of here." And then has some. It's, it's really interesting. This would make for a, a a really interesting discussion. And then she has some realizations and and things that I've even related to of you know, quote, getting out in the world and realizing that they're just normal people like she is and that mm-hmm. things aren't so bad as they were made out to be. And Anyway, that's probably another conversation for another time. But it's interesting to see these same themes come up in the way that she kind of crystallized them in this book.
1: Well, and, and I think that, yeah, I think you're, you're really onto something there in the sense that I think the lyrical content of much of the music that we sing can often be undermining, even, you know, if you're in a church where uh, uh, you don't have this sort of fundamentalist message, where there is more thought to the integration between Christian belief and human existence, the lyrical content nevertheless can undermine some of that good stuff that's happening, right? To the point that people feel less comfortable, as I said before. Say more about that.
0: When you say undermine, I never thought of it that way.
1: Well... Although I guess that's what I've been describing. I I guess... when I'm reading, you know, and again, this 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 piece by 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 Tomlin I think is a lot better, for example, than the Isle of Bay piece. But I I think what happens is you know, even in the in the Tomlin piece, what is it called? How great is our God? I mean, that our part is incredibly irksome. I think that's really problematic. Say God more about not, that. God is not freaking our God. What do you mean? Well, that's just ridiculous. I mean, it's the idea that somehow we possess God or somehow we own God. That our no, possessive him. sense. We share is, Him.
0: I don't see. I don't hear it as possessive. I hear it as shared.
1: I don't. It's think not we shared, my God or uh, uh, your God. It's ours. I think the biblical text puts forward God as the one and only God. That's all we need to say. You know, God, the God, the God of the Bible is awesome, or God is awesome. But the hour is something that creeps in there, it seems to me. It may be intended as being a sh- way of expressing what is shared. It often comes down to, I think, what is possessed.
0: Or personalized. Oh, so it's a way to personalize it.
1: Well, it's a way to personalize it in a sense that tends to immunize us from the fact that God is very interested not only in affirming us, in other words, expressing that humans are good, that God loves human beings and God has created us for for what? For relationship, Right. But also God is very interested in critiquing us. There are ways that we, and by we I certainly mean Christians, act and live on a daily basis over long periods of time. You know, and some of us live and die without having these things corrected at all. So I think, you know, sanctification is something that is a participatory uh, – I'm hesitating around the word word reality, but it's it's a participatory phenomenon. And sometimes sanctification happens in some small ways in people's lives, and that's all, or maybe very little at all. You know, sanctification for some people may just be, oh, I I stopped uh, using bad words, or I stopped drinking that much, or I stopped, etc. And do I think that that's that's valuable? Yeah, probably. But is that in conformity with the image of Christ? No. It's on the road, but man, you probably could have traveled a lot longer on that road. There's probably a lot more distance you could have covered over the course of your life. And so I think this, songs like this actually undercut some of that unless you have other songs. And I've, I've never heard of one. God is against me. God has called me out for the ways I've been an a**hole. Isn't
0: that what the Psalms are?
1: Some of them, yeah. But I, 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 I don't hear us singing them in churches. I don't know when the last time... That would be kind I've of a heard, downer. <laughs> well, yeah, but hold on. Hello. That could be the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what I'm saying. We keep, keep, keep going for this up, 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 and that's the Holy Spirit. Well, that's crap. Pardon me, but that is just crap. Maybe it is the Holy Spirit at certain moments, in certain contexts, and we could talk about what those contexts are so that we might have a better sense. You know, I'm not just sort of being random and saying, well, maybe, maybe not in the sense of who can... You know, no one can know. No one can tell. But the idea that we might feel down that we might feel chastised, that we might feel rebuked, that we might feel criticized. That's important. That's amazingly important. You know, I know one of the reasons my marriage came back together is because both my spouse and I were able to hear the criticisms, her to me and me to her, that we had of each other, and they were true. There was some significant truth that wasn't being heard. Okay, well, you know, what did that do? That allowed us to move back from the brink of divorce. So there's a practical example. Do I think God had a role to play in that? Absolutely. Do I think the Holy Spirit had a role in allowing both of us to come to a place where we were eventually able to treat the other's perspective seriously and allow the other to have the time to formulate that perspective in a way that could be best heard? You bet. You bet. I think that was one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in my life at that time. And if you don't think coming back from a near divorce is a big deal, then we see the world, I I would say we see the world in very different ways. So do you think
0: that if you were not a Christian, like, do you believe that your Christian beliefs and relationship with God were a key factor in not getting divorced? Like, if you hadn't had God, if God is not in the picture... Like, do you attribute, it sounds like you're attributing to God to saving your marriage. And I am guess I'm curious, like, would you say that if God wasn't there, that your marriage would not have been saved? Completely.
1: Unhesitatingly. Yeah. You know, and, and and again, I don't think it's just down to God in the sense that God did everything, but was God crucial to that? Was God crucial to my part in that? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I I remember at one point meeting up with this fellow and he's in his 70s, he's a minister, and I'd spoken with a whole bunch of people before that, some helpful, a couple extraordinarily unhelpful. He sat there listening to everything I had to say for about two and a half hours, we were having dinner. And he said to me, I hear what you're saying and I can't make this, this decision. It sounds like your situation now is unlivable. I understand that. But let me ask you this. Do you ever recall a situation in the Bible where God said, "You know what? I'm done with you. I'm through," and walked away. And on the one hand, that was powerful. And I said, and "I know. I recognize. No, I. I don't know of a situation like that. Even with with Israel, through all of the, all of the back and forth, and all of the, you know, hey, what are you doing? You made an agreement. Hey, you know this is not the right way to go. Hey, hello, you're completely ignoring me." But it was powerful because from my experience, what had really been significant for me in my life was experiencing very profoundly that out of nowhere, out of me being at Labrie and having this um, potent and ongoing, and I think in many ways justified anger against Christianity and against God. God acted in some significant ways to appear in the sense of showing up and in the sense of communicating very directly. I know who you are. I love you profoundly. And I recognized that I was in the position of being the receiver of God's unwillingness to turn God's back on somebody that I very well would have said, yeah, you know what, this guy, Greg Monteith, he, he's, he's shown pretty clearly he's not interested in you. And for whatever's happened, who's ever at fault, he's made up his mind. Move on. Choose somebody else. In, invest in somebody else. And I think when I put that person's words in the context of my own life and seeing that God unswervingly and with extraordinary precision and intentionality, it seems to me, acted into my life, there is no way I could fail to listen to that. And once I was listening to that, and I recognized that as, be, as, as having the power that it had, then that allowed me, I mean, it, it, was, it was, that was November, so it was December, January, February, March, it was four months later, before my wife and I were finally able, I was finally able to hear some of the things she was saying. And I was able to see some of the things that she was doing and recognize she's saying some different things now. She's acting in different ways now. And um, that was what I needed, right? I needed that to be able to, first of all, to pause and then to be able to develop the sensitivities to hear and perceive against all the hurt of the past that she was acting differently, that she was in some senses moving forward on a different path and then after that, there was, you know, her need to connect with me, me to hear her and to hear her hurts and to allow, to offer to her things that, that she needed to hear from me and for her to connect with that. So I would say, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was crucial.
0: So how do we bring this full circle?
1: I just feel like the praise songs are, I mean, we just talked about something that for me is, 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 is real life potent. It's super potent. And I think that what should be going on in our churches should reflect the potency of who God is. It should reflect the complexity and the difficulty and the wonder of what it is to live as a human being in this world. And should be a way for us to reflect, to to kind of put out for others to see and to offer to others as a way of them reflecting upon what it is to be in right relationship with God, and I don't see these things. These most of these choruses doing that at all. If my relationship with God looked like these choruses, I would be out of there, so fast, because who wants that? It's a crappy, flimsy, five cent version of something that for me is worth twenty bucks, or you know whatever that is. Two thousand times, what's being put forward here. I think it does little justice to what it is to be a Christian. It offers little to those who are thinking about Christianity and don't know what it is. It offers little to those who are sitting in the pews and saying, this doesn't make any sense and I can't say anything. It offers little by way of reassurance. It offers little by way of encouragement. It offers little. And God is, mu- is much. God is more. God is big. So if God really is great, let's write some great stuff. Let's really go into it. Let's really dedicate ourselves to taking all of what it is for us to exist and for us to relate rightly with God, with ourselves and with the world around us and allow that to influence and permeate our lyrical content when it comes to the music that we sing in our churches so that we can say to God, to ourselves and to those others outsiders who may be part of us for that particular moment in time, this is something of what it's like.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.